What's up, guys? I'm EJ. I'm joined by Kendall, and thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Uncommitted Podcast, Episode 6. Kendall, this should be a really great show. We got a lot of stuff to talk about, so we got some big recruits heading to Alabama and Auburn, but we're not talking, obviously, about football. These are basketball recruits that are heading down to big names for the 2021 class, so we'll update you guys on uh, on those commitments. Also, uh, two teams that are really rising up in the recruiting rankings after some new, uh, recent commitments. One, your Memphis Tigers. Also, the Oregon Ducks. Uh, so we'll be talking about those teams later on in the show. So it should be action-packed podcast. Hope you guys will enjoy this listen. Um, Kendall, what are you looking forward to talking about today? Yeah, I mean, look, of course, I'd be lying if I wasn't uh, if I wasn't excited to talk about uh, these Memphis Tigers, who uh, obviously Penny, uh, certainly not, uh, you know, certainly not, uh, you know, been uh, certainly doing something on the recruiting trail. Uh, you know, a lot of people were worried. What was the situation going to be like post Mike Miller being gone? Um, and look, Penny and uh, Cody Topper, Tony Madlock, that old staff, um, they're shorter. They're short and assistant. They don't even have a replacement for Mike Miller yet. So we'll talk about all that um, uh, when we get to uh, that Memphis topic. But <laughs> EJ, one of the things I wanted to mention to you uh, before we got to our list um, of, of topics was that there was a uh, one. Of the, there was a, a a five star who cut down his list recently. Um, Michael Foster, five star out of Arizona, Hillcrest Prep. Uh, he cut down his to- he cut down his list to a top eight, uh, and his top eight um, was very bizarre to say the least. Um, he not only did he not have eight schools on his list, um, I believe he only had what what was it three. Or, or or I mean, he had four. I think he might have five schools because he had he had four four schools. He had four schools, and only two of them were major. Two and only two of them were major schools. And we gotta talk about the player, by the way. It's uh, Mike Foster. Yeah, Michael Foster. Yeah, yeah, out of, out of Arizona. I mean, and the kid's a very good player. You know, yes, power yes. forward, athletic, strong. Gonna be a gonna be an NBA player uh, in the near future. But like you said, only four schools. Two of them. Only two of them power five schools, um, that being who was it, Georgia and Florida State. Yeah, Georgia and FSU. Georgia and Florida State, not blue bloods, <laughs> or for you know either. Um, but then he also had Grambling and he had Western Illinois. Um, on top of that, he also had uh, the G League, as well as what Germany, China. Yeah, he had three countries. Really? <laughs> yeah, he had three countries on there. Yeah. So. I'm going to make a bold prediction and say Michael Foster is not going to play a game of college basketball. But it don't look like it. It don't I look could like be it. wrong, but I mean, typically the I mean, we said it when it came to Jonathan Kuminga that anytime a guy puts the G League on his list, it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, it's a wrap. He's not yeah. gonna. He's not playing college basketball. So when a guy puts not only the G League but like every country <laughs> not named the United States on his list, it probably means he's he's not playing college basketball. But yeah, he, this is the first. This is the first recruit I've ever seen have countries on his top. On his top yeah, list. he put like multiple a, countries. A map. Yeah, he would put a map on his on his top eight. So, look, shout out to Michael Foster. He's, mm-hmm. I mean, he he he's not gonna be hurt by not playing college basketball. No, um, you know, he's gonna get his bag, and he's gonna he's, he'll be fine with that bag. But uh, certainly a uh, an interesting list. Uh, Western Illinois, I'm interested to hear what how they got on that list. Yeah, because, you know, Grambling, I understood a little bit because we've seen, you know, you know, shout out to Mikey Williams and um, 
and the kid at, at Howard uh, McCorder. But like, uh, so you know, in the HBCUs have have gotten some uh, some some more love in recent uh, yeah. Recent and most months. of these now that you see have one HBCU, which is, which is good. And I like to see that. And hopefully, more of these guys take the plunge to commit. But yeah, I saw I, I had to text you. I was like, who's what's the the bulldog, the yellow bulldog? I I, I literally didn't know what what's his logo. Yeah. And I'm someone who lives and dies, lives and breathes college basketball, and I did not remember what logo that was. Well, you see, I mean that that's the that's the effect of not having played a college basketball game in ten years. That's so, true, man. Bring the logos are different now. Yeah. You know, West, those 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 really small, low majors. You don't you, you'll forget what their logo is, or the logo is completely different now. It, yeah. It's a sad state of affairs. Yeah. Hashtag bring back college hoops. Two K. We we, we I, that. I will say, speaking of college hoops, these teams. Yeah. Like Western Illinois and Grambling are really, uh, are really, you know, going into the spirit of like having of you know playing a career mode or a dynasty mode where you know you're starting out at a small school and you're like I'm gonna go I'm gonna recruit the five star. Yeah, Why this not? is like this is like always like the the stupidest strategy if you start yeah. off at a small school if you're doing your your legacy on college hoops you, you're recruiting to be Donald All American that you know has no chance to go into your school. Oh, yeah. And you may get in his top ten, but it doesn't matter. You're still not yeah, going to get the guy. Then you have to settle for like the the, the, the two star JUCO because you got to fill out your roster. Yeah, you know, exactly. these are the rookie mistakes. <laughs> if you're running a legacy, you start yeah. from the bottom, man. This is not that's not the move uh, you should be doing. But um, let's get to the rest of the show. Shout out to uh, Mike Foster. Good luck on his uh, on his whether it's his college journey or his uh, his professional journey. If it starts in the G League or it starts overseas, good luck to him moving forward. And shout outs to all those schools and places that were nominated i guess or put in his uh top eight but let's start again like i said at the top of the show we're very accustomed to seeing auburn and alabama and that five-star recruits on the gridiron but uh both schools uh basketball programs are now excited because they just nabbed uh two new top recruits so point guard jd davidson announced he will be staying close to home he's from alabama and now he announces he will be committing to the university of alabama or alabama university it's one of them i don't know which one uh, uh, meanwhile, Georgia Georgia power forward uh, Jabari Smith, who's a top five player in this class, he announced he'd be heading to Auburn. Um, I like both of these guys' games. Uh, Jay Davison is one of the more explosive point guards you'll ever see. I mean, he he could, he he looks like a future slam NBA champion if he makes it to the NBA and is that kind of player. And um, and Jabari Smith, man, tell you what, he reminds me a lot of a player that I know pretty well, having you know seen him come up through the high school ranks and having uh, played with him as a kid at ten years old. He reminds me a lot of Tobias Harris. So, um, oh, uh, so there's uh, Curtis Kelly. No, <laughs> Curtis Kelly. I, I didn't play with with or against Curtis Kelly. I don't really talk about. Shout out to Curtis Kelly, former uh, Rice High School great and uh, and uh, UConn great. UConn, um, Kansas State. And he was at Kansas State, right? I forgot he, he transferred. Yeah, but, um, he was on that team that lost to uh, to Holloway, <laughs> Xavier. To Holloway, wow, what a name! Um, but anyway, uh, I think that Bruce Pearl saw that and uh, sees a lot of that in, in Jabari Smith. Yeah, Bruce, that was that was yeah. definitely part of his recruitment. So, Kendall, these are two exciting players, two players that I think will generate a lot of buzz for these schools. Which player do you think will have the bigger impact for their school in their freshman year? Um, in their only year. Uh, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> so it's tough because typically you would think a guard would have a bigger impact. First of all, shout out to Nate Oates, big get JD Davidson, a local guy staying home. And obviously Jabari Smith had a very, very uh, 
very, very vast SEC recruitment. All the best schools in the SEC pretty much outside of Kentucky were uh, putting up every anything to get Jabari Smith. And uh, for Bruce Pearl and Auburn to be the ones to get him shows you the momentum that his program has. Um, you know, also shout out to Jabari Smith for not putting out a video saying, uh, go Eagles. Uh, like, like we saw from, uh, JT Thor <laughs> when he committed to Auburn. Um, but still, uh, yeah, no, I think it's Jabari Smith, you know, obviously you think about the point guard and you think he's going to have the bigger impact just because the ball is going to be in his hands. Um, but Jabari Smith is a more finished product than JD Davidson. And JD Davidson is very raw. Um, he's going to have an impact because, like you said, the explosiveness is legitimate. Um, like you said, the, one of the most explosive point guards you'll ever see. Um, head above the rim on every drive. Uh, it, it's incredible. Uh, but he still has some some things to round out in his game, whereas Jabari Smith seemed like a guy that could be, you know, 18 and 9, you know, as a freshman, uh, which is which, which leads him to being that, that, that type of a player. So... Um, and being that type of an impact. Plus, Auburn is a better program right now. You know, they've, they're have they on fire when it comes to recruiting. Brought in a top five or ten class this year with Sharif Cooper and JT Thor, like I mentioned. Um, had Isaac Okoro last season, who's going to be a top ten pick. Uh, and now you bring in Jabari Smith. They've really circled that Georgia area. Because Isaac Okoro, an Atlanta kid. Um, you know, Sharif Cooper, an Atlanta kid. And now you get... Uh, Jabari Smith from the from the, the the Atlanta Celtics AAU program. Um, it's a major it's a major thing, you know, down south. You know, Josh Passner's had tr- trouble keeping those guys at Georgia Tech. Um, Tom Crean did a great job at Anthony Edwards, and I, I thought that I thought Jabari Smith was going to follow to uh, Anthony Edwards to UGA, but great get for Auburn nonetheless. And I think that Sharif Cooper, Isaac Okoro line definitely helped. Yeah, I, I do agree that um, it looks like Pearl is absolutely creating a pipeline uh, with the Atlanta area to um, to Auburn, and that's a, a a massive coup. He's able to really create that pipeline because we know Atlanta Hoopers are fantastic, and you can get a lot of really great players out of that area. And I think that um, because Georgia and Georgia Tech just aren't solidified great destinations. You know, I think a lot of it, I like a, that's why a lot of those guys end up going everywhere throughout the country. You know, these Atlanta players. You know, whether it be Kentucky, whether it be Duke. I mean, we see them literally go anywhere. So, Cal. Yes, exactly. So yeah, with you know uh, with Jalen Brown. So I think that Pearl, you know, you know Auburn football when they've played well, when they've done well, they've recruited in the Georgia area. Like you know, Cam Newton's from Atlanta. So yeah, like that. So I think that, you know, if Bruce is trying to create a similar pipeline that we've seen Malzahn and Gene Chizik back in the day uh, create for the, for the basketball program, that would be really smart on his end. Um, this is, I, I think this is a little closer than you think. I probably would lean a little bit um, Javari Smith only because I, his skill level is so impressive for his size. You know, this guy's a legit six foot nine, but can really shoot. Um, you know, it was a really good, you know, mid-range, mid-post kind of game. Uh, and I just think that he, he looks like he's a player that is just continuing to develop. I don't think that he's anywhere near a finished product. So I think the potential is very high. But this guy, J.D. Davison, is electric, though. I mean, again, this guy gets in the open floor. I mean, look out. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, 
I, I don't know if I've seen a more athletic point guard. And I, I don't. I know that sounds hyperbole. You know, a lot of times these high school kids is easy to jump. And say, oh, this guy is the best athlete I've ever seen. But yo, he might be the best athlete, athletic point guard I've ever seen. I, I didn't think the last guy I saw with this guy's hot is honestly Dennis Smith. Um, yeah. And and yeah. and then before Dennis Smith, I mean, you're probably talking John Wall. I mean, it's Wall and Rose, yeah. Yeah, and Derrick Rose, exactly. Who was before John Wall? I mean, this guy is an explosive, explosive athlete. Um, he's not the slickest with his handle. He's very fast, but like, I think that's probably where you probably see. Okay, I see why he's not you know a top five guy or an obvious one and done guy necessarily because you know he can shoot a little bit and he's very fast, but he's not like some guy that has some crazy handles. I don't look at him as a as a crazy great passer. Um, no. He's he's your scoring kind of guard who's going to be looking to get to the rim. But as we saw, we've seen um, at Alabama recently. We saw we've seen a lot of these guards, man. They go down there and they they hoop, and yeah. he seems to be the kind of guy to fall right into that same pattern of Kyra Lewis, of uh, Colin Sexton, obviously different coach, but still, um, I think he kind of sees what Alabama's building, kind of the um, reputation starting to have for, for you know point guard play, and I, I think that he, he he may surprise people and, and, and end up having a really good freshman year. Yeah, sometimes these. Yeah, the last thing I'll say is that sometimes these, these point guards, like he may be a one and done. He may be a top ten pick, like a Dennis Smith, Marco Fultz, um, like a Colin Sexton. But sometimes that doesn't translate into winning basketball games. And for, look for Nate Oates, sometimes it doesn't matter. You know, like getting Colin Sexton, Avery Johnson getting Colin Sexton helped Nate Oates get J.D. Davidson, despite the fact that Colin Sexton, you know, won them like 18 games. You know, the, the fact that he was a top 10 pick and was on SportsCenter every week was the reason why J.D. Davidson, a kid from Alabama who's watching that, you know, obviously very closely, sees Colin Sexton, sees Kyra Lewis, then follow and have two great years, now decides I'll be the next in line. So those things are important still. You know, so it's not it's not nothing to poo-poo, even if J.D. Davidson does one year and Alabama's an NIT team, that's still, uh, you'd still rather have that than not have that guy. So, um, and, you know, we see it with another program down south uh, in Memphis, which we'll be talking about, with having yeah. guys like James Wiseman. Exactly. And let's, let's get right to the Memphis Tigers. So, uh, this week, the Tigers nabbed four-star Sam Ayamude Onu from Pennsylvania. Uh, he is one of three recent commits to Memphis. The St. Louis forward, uh, Jar- Jordan Nesbitt, picked the Tigers at the beginning of the month. And before that, uh, Pennsylvania forward J- John Camden, who was playing at Brewster Academy in New Hampshire. He also committed to Memphis. So when you include those guys with Josh Minot, Memphis has a consensus top three class for a 2021 um, class so far. Uh, but no one-and-done guys, Kendall. No five-star guys so far in this class. Do you think that perhaps this crop of players and this group that's coming in for 2021 shows a possible shift in the recruiting strategy for Penny Hardaway? Because since Penny has got there, he's only gone, not to say only, but he's emphasized big game hunting. And we really haven't seen any big game hunting with this particular class. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, obviously, look, they're, they're the number three class in the country right now. Um with the the the, the commits of Aomide and Camden and, and and Nesbitt, but it's like you said, it's not the not the top ten, top twenty, one and done type of prospect guys that we would expect from this class. Um, but 
the shift, I mean, I mentioned it at the top, Mike Miller, not there anymore. Uh, Mike Miller was one of the primary guys. Obviously, Penny was big on getting Wiseman. Um, and he's big on getting Moussa as well. Um, but Mike Miller was was kind of the point man on, on trying to recruit Jalen Green, trying to recruit R.J. Hampton, Matthew Hurt, um, you know, Boogie Ellis, uh, Precious Achua, Lester Quinones, all those guys. So with Mike Miller not being there, and it's not as if this is a, I mean, this isn't necessarily a worse strategy because, first of all, there is a sentiment out there that Mike Miller screwed them over by not getting Jalen Green and not getting Matthew Hurd and not getting RJ Hampton and all these guys, you know, this, this narrative that he may have sold a bill of goods that he couldn't, <laughs> that he couldn't live up to. Um, and it left, they left Memphis, you know, kind of, kind of dry. And I think you've seen Penny, you know, the Jalen Green situation, especially uh, was a tough one because he had essentially, from what we understand, basically told them I'm going there. And then last minute, it was like, nah, actually, I'm going to the G League. You can't, you can't have those situations. And you know, if you're, if you're, if you're Penny, we've seen them. You know, the guy who's been the point man on pretty much all these commits has been Cody Topper. And Cody Topper, what's his background? Uh, guy we've had on our show, obviously, his background is player development. And you know, I you see the the types of players that they brought in. I mean, Aomide a three-star, four-star kind of center, but you know he's a guy with a lot of physical tools and a lot of traits that suggest that give him time, he could be an NBA player. John Camden has talked about how you know he wants to be the next Tyler Hero, and yeah. he feels like you know Memphis could be that spot where he can he can develop into a one or a two and done type of player. And Camden is uh-huh. a player that he you know he's a fantastic shooter, but he he said you know look as a white player. They always want to look at me and say, "I'm the shooter." I think I have way more to my game, and I think he's right too. If you look at, um, I was looking at his highlight tapes and looking at what he can do, his ball handling, his passing, he he is more than a shooter, I think. And and it'll be interesting to see how Cody Topper is able to work with him as well. Yeah. So and and then look, I mean, Jordan Nesbitt. I mean, that kid is a he's a he's a pit bull. You know, that kid. I was about to say. A, I was about to say he's a dog. Yeah, yeah, he's got he got some dog in him. So, you know, I, I this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a nice class for Memphis, and I'm not sure if it's done because, like you said, when you talk about the big game hunting, there are two guys that are still on Memphis's radar that will be that five star. There, obviously, Chet Holmgren is a guy, you know, top five, top two player in the country, uh, who they're still in the, they're still in the race for. You know, he's been very quiet about where his leanings are. It seems like Gonzaga is out in front, and then Ohio State seems to be in the mix. But, you know, we really don't know what the case is with, with Chad Holman because he seems like he's not even thinking about that. He seems like he's he's going to wait till the end of uh, the high school season into March, April, um, which sounds similar to Jalen Green. And he's also kind of – he's said recently that he's 99% going to college, but uh, Jalen Green said similar things. So uh, that's always uh, lingering in the background with Chad Holmgren. And then another kid who's committing uh, later this month is Sky Clark, guard um, from California, who you know seemed like was going to U- uh, Kentucky, you know, for the last couple of months. But as we talked about in our last show, it seems like once Kenny Payne went to the Knicks. Now they've kind of shifted their recruitment a little bit and, you know, they focused a little bit more on Hunter Salas, another guard, uh, which has maybe opened the door for Memphis and North Carolina to really get in there for for Sky Clark. So 
we'll see how that recruitment ends up. But, you know, he would be the point guard that they're kind of missing in this class because that's the one area where you're like, look, if Boogie Ellis had a big year, which he could, I mean, he didn't necessarily look like an NBA player this season, but, you know, if he has a big year, he could end up being that, he could end up being an NBA player this season, which is what he projected to be coming out of high school. So if that happens, then they're stuck without Boogie Ellis. You know, you still have Alex Lomax, but, you know, the point guard position, Damian Ball still there as well, but the point guard position, you know, doesn't have that NBA talent. So that would be the one thing that uh, I think this class is missing. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that if somehow they don't end up landing those guys, I wouldn't be surprised also to see Penny um, go to the transfer wire too. Um, yes. It's not quite something they've taken advantage of just yet, but I, I would expect Memphis. Well, I mean, they, you know, yeah, they're bringing in um, Landers Nolly from uh, Virginia Tech this year. Yeah. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, I don't know what his, uh, you know, we'll see what, what kind of impact he'll have, but. I mean, he was one of the best freshmen in the ACC. Yeah. Um, you know, and they also, they're bringing in DeAndre Williams from Evansville, but he's not, right, as far as, far as we know, he's not eligible right now. Right. So I don't know what his deal is going to be, but um, definitely haven't seen it at the point guard position. Um, yeah, for sure. It's a totally different animal. Gonzaga, obviously they have, uh, they've got experience with transfer point guards, but um, Memphis hasn't brought those types of guys in yet, but. It'll, it'll be interesting. Um, and I, and look, I think that, you know, I think that what Penny is doing right now makes a lot of sense. I think that uh, to prioritize the solid guys that you know you need, you're going to need to fill out your roster first yeah, probably know, makes the most sense. The <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the player that they're going after um, that are the bigger star, bigger profile players, those are going to be long recruitments anyway. So you want to kind of have a roster set to go that somehow those guys don't end up coming over. You still have a decent crew. You don't want to put all your eggs in, in you know, a Chet Holmgren basket or a Sky Clark basket. Right. And you didn't do the work to get some of these other kids who certainly look like they have potential to turn out to be really good players. Because, again, as a Gonzaga fan, I mean, I've seen uh, Mark Few turn three stars and four stars into NBA players and turn those teams into national championship contenders. So yeah, you, you, don't have, you don't have to necessarily grab two or three five stars every year to be a national championship yeah. contender. Virginia never gets those guys, and they're in it every year. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, or that's what I was going to mention is, like, of the last... What was the, when was the last time a team won a national championship with multiple one-and-dones? Um, going back to... Was it Duke? With Tyus Jones and Jaleel Okafor? Probably, yeah. Winslow? That was a yeah. long time ago. I could be missing one, but Villanova's won two. Uh, Villanova, Car- Car- Carolina won one with a bunch of seniors. Yeah, Carolina won one, and obviously Virginia won most recently. Virginia won recently. And last year, I mean, no champion, but I don't think anybody... No, yeah, the, the team, yeah, the te- yeah, the teams that were projected to win <laughs> were not teams with one-and-dones. Yeah, so it's... It's kind of fool's gold. I yeah. mean, if we're being honest, it is. You know, I mean, Duke has struggled a little bit. Obviously, they had the year with Zion. That was great. And I mean, it's great for the profile of the program to have a bunch of one and done guys, have a bunch of NBA players. But um, I mean, Memphis even saw this year. They came in with a lot of hype, and obviously, they didn't have Wiseman. Not Wiseman. This was a team that people thought was a was a tournament team, and they didn't really. But I, live I up think to that. I think the reason why though, Kendall, is because I think we underestimate how important like having team continuity is especially in college basketball like yes having the best player still i i prefer probably have that even but 
still, especially when you're talking about playing in a tournament style where you're going to be in a lot of very weird positions and things are going to get a lot more intense, having that camaraderie and having that chemistry of guys that have been in that program, have been developed through that program for years and have developed togetherness, uh, well, together with that program is really important. I think that's why you've seen those teams uh, turn that into tournament success with the teams that have had one or two or three guys who were one and done type five star teams. Those teams have often flamed out earlier in the tournament than and, expected. And if you're gonna if you're gonna win with five stars, as we've seen with Duke and Kentucky, the the one time they've won with with five stars, is you gotta have a a a, a plethora of those guys. Like you can't yeah. have like Memphis last year built their team around Wiseman, you know, primarily, and then Precious Achua. Uh, actually played better when Wiseman left. You know, he started to really spread his wings a little bit. But, you know, they had other guys that were really good but weren't top ten picks. Like, you got to have multiple t- lottery picks, multiple first-round picks to win a national championship. You're going to have a bunch of freshmen. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, the Fat Five are the Fat Five, and they didn't even win that championship. There's a reason why you look at AD's Kentucky team as a, um, as a historic team. The reason why yeah, we look no. at... Yeah, the reason why we look at Duke that year as a historic team, like those were incredible runs, but they're not things that have happened often. It's not easy to get Zion, Barrett, and Reddit. Yeah, we've been we've been on a one and done era now forever. It's been like what a decade with one and done. Yeah, over a decade. Yeah, and how many of those how many of those type of teams have produced national champions? It's very rare. Yeah. So. so, so we'll see what's happening over with Memphis and if they end up adding another big-name player to this class. But so far, the guys that they've gotten still, I think, um, you know, uh, Ayumide is definitely uh, more raw, I think, than the other two guys. But, you know, he talks he, about he how he, 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 compares himself, he compares himself to Joel Embiid. So, I mean, that, that could be, I mean, you know, Josh Minot said he's he's Penny Hardaway 20 years ago. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but yeah. regardless, you know, if if he's yeah, he also said Boogie Cousins is another guy he compares himself to. So, you know, again, raw player, but you know, he seemed like a guy that really could help them uh, in the years to come. And also, the Aumide thing, being a, a kid from Africa, you have to feel like the precious Achua and Musa Cisse line also helped in some regard. I would for imagine sure. for sure. Um, and lastly, today, Kendall. Uh, Oregon got to shoot up the team rankings as well after adding two top recruits, four stars Frank uh, Kepnang and Jonathan Lawson announced they would be heading to Eugene next year. Oregon already has five-star center uh, Nathan Biddle, who committed to 2021. So, uh, Kendall, Oregon, do they have a case in your mind uh, for having being the top recruiting destination out west right now? Because... They have a top five recruiting class. They Dana Altman's done a really great job of recruiting at Oregon now for a while. And there's a consistency there, and I think with what we're seeing at Arizona, which may be the fall off, you know, for being honest, someone's got to take that number one spot in terms of recruiting. We know Gonzaga's coming up, but I, they're still Gonzaga to a certain degree. Do you think Oregon right now is filling that void? UCLA and USC still on the come up. Um. Yeah, I mean, if we're going off of, it's tough because these recruiting cycles vary, uh, year year to year. Um, I would, I feel like, I mean, if we're going off last season, I mean, you know, 
USC brought in Evan Mobley. He was the best recruit out on the West Coast. I mean, obviously Jalen Green, uh, you know, went to uh, went to the G League, but Evan Mobley, another California guy, went to USC. Um, you know, if you go the year before that, Arizona brought in Nico Mannion and Josh Green. I mean, it really does go year to year, but Oregon does feel like a steady program when it comes to recruiting, where it feels like every year. And we've, I mean, it's something that five, six years ago used to irk me that Oregon wasn't getting five stars because they were recruiting better in football than they were in basketball. And to me, that didn't make any sense because I'm like, I mean, yeah, the uniforms are cool in football, but. I mean, basketball, I mean, you got sneakers and, you know, you think Nike's influence. Yeah, you think Nike's influence would be greater for basketball even than it would be for football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you think it's it'd be greater basketball in football. And we're now finally starting to see the the, the, the fruits of that relationship um, because now they're starting to recruit like a, a power program despite not being necessarily a blue bug. Um, you know, getting, getting guys like Jonathan Lawson and Frank Kepning are are major because those guys aren't local guys. Those guys aren't West Coast guys. You know, Jonathan Lawson's from from Memphis. Uh, Captain's from Pennsylvania with the West Town, which is where Cam Reddish and Mo Bamba went to school. I mean, these aren't these aren't guys from you know. This isn't them getting Peyton Pritchard from Westland, Oregon. You know, this isn't them being in the mix for Kyle Singler and Kevin Love. This is these are guys from across the nation. And again, this is how they should be recruiting. Um, Nathan Biddle, more close to more close in the region, but um, in that Pacific Northwest. But um, and look, Nathan Biddle is a big time player. And you know, Gonzaga tried to you know tried to get in that recruitment, and you know, all of the Pac-12 schools tried to get in that recruitment. But um, I think Gonzaga not. I think they were I, I, the fact that Gonzaga d- didn't really go all in on Biddle is about them trying to get Chad Holmgren. I, that, that's my that's my read on the situation. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, but uh, Biddle is is gonna be he's gonna be a major player in the Pac-12. Um, you know, definitely has to get stronger. You know, give you a little bit of Steven Zimmerman vibes, uh, the kid from UNLV years back. Um, but he's you know he's he's a guy you would you would project to be a one and done type of player. So um, this is a big get for Oregon. And then the Kepning thing is interesting because it feels as if he is not the the word is that he may be eligible to to enroll mid mid season this year. So if that's the case, then that would make sense given you know him and Biddle overlap in terms of their their position. Both of them both being five men, and you know this is a team that last season that didn't have a whole lot of fives. I mean, they had in Folly Dante, a uh, big man who came in to replace Bol Bol, and, you know, he dealt with situations. He was another guy who had to enroll midseason um, and then didn't really get much of a season because the season was shut down, <laughs> uh, you know, not far after that. So, you know, he's back, but then now you have Kepning coming off the bench, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this Oregon team uh, comes into shape, but... Um, and then the Lawson thing makes sense because Lawson, obviously, his brother is also at Oregon. Uh, and the Lawson family seems to have now decided that as opposed to sending their kids to Memphis, we'll send them to uh, Oregon. However, that worked out. I don't there's know. A lot but, of kids, there's a lot of kids in that Lawson family. I'm like, Jesus. Oh, yeah. How many more? Yeah, Do we have any more uh, coming up? Yeah, they're the Black Plumbies. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, no, no. Jonathan is the uh, last one as okay. far as I know. Shout out to yeah. the Lawson family. A lot of, uh, a lot of rich basketball tradition in there they should be very proud um yeah oregon i mean you know 
they they're really starting to become a recruiting giant to me. I mean, you talk about CJ Walker and you mentioned Dante uh just recently. They have Bowl Bowl, forget uh Luke King. Obviously they have Peyton yeah, obviously they have Peyton Pritchard. <laughs> uh obviously they have Peyton Pritchard. So in the last three or four years, I mean, they've just been a solid team where they're getting five star guys, all American type guys. Yeah. So this is starting to become just expected. And you know, because I think there's a lot of uncertainty out west. You know, you know where does Gonzaga actually stand in regards to this big game hunting recruiting? Are they really in it? In it, or is this kind of a tipping the toe thing? And what is Arizona post this whole scandal? Um, <laughs> and then, like yeah. I said, you know UCLA, you know Mick Cronin trying to build that program up. Yeah. So like I think right now the West is up for the taking in regards to where is the school that. All the kids in the West Coast should be looking at in terms of being I, a top destination. I, I think that that there's absolutely a, a chance that Oregon could be that school. See, we saw a kid, in, like uh, a couple of kids that that could have gone to West Coast schools, go to the G League instead of going, instead of going to the to play out West. So I, I think that um, I, I think that so there's a, there's definitely an opening there. So I I feel like, and it's interesting because Oregon. They've kind of, they're like a weird West Coast school because they're in the Pacific Northwest and they kind of, you've seen it in football as well. They don't necessarily prioritize the West Coast as much as, you know, other Pac-12. That, that is true. But all the, a lot of guys are named. They mean King and Bull and a lot of those guys are not West Coast guys. Yeah, not, yeah, not from California or, no. or, or you know, I mean, Bull played at Modern Day for a little bit, but he's from Kansas. And, uh, you know, Luke King is from the East Coast and... You know, T.J. Walker's from Florida. I mean, you know, these guys, yeah. John Lawson, I mentioned from Tennessee. Exactly. Um, they're not necessarily prioritizing California kids, but they have that luxury because they're kind of a national brand uh, with the Nike thing and, you know, the uniforms and, you know, the Oregon swag that kind of comes with it. But, um, you know, if we're talking about, it, like, a West, West, school, West Coast schools that get West Coast kids, I think it's still UCLA and USC. Or now I would say like still because it has been Arizona, you know. Obviously, it's the last six, seven years has been Arizona. Um, that's we're starting to see a shift. I mean, getting Mannion and getting Josh Green was great, but look, Mannion is a local kid. I mean, he wasn't gonna go to any, he wasn't going anywhere else. So obviously, you know, you can, you know, great getting uh, Nico Mannion. Um, but as we've seen going forward, the California guys, Mobley going to USC. I mean, Dacian Nick's not from California, but he was going to go to UCLA before he went to the G League. Um, but then we, we also uh, saw Peyton Watson, a kid we haven't really we didn't talk about on the show, but five-star out of Long Beach uh, who committed to UCLA over over pretty much over Kentucky, over Gonzaga, over Oregon, I believe. So, um, you know, it, we, I, I, I would still be concerned about Mick Cronin and Andy Enfield out in the West Coast. Um but the the West Coast, as you've seen, and look, can't sleep on on uh, Bobby Hurley. You know, you know Bobby bleeping Hurley. I was, I was gonna, Rocky. I was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say because you know he got the best kid on the wall right now. Yeah, Jacob, the best, <laughs> yeah, the best freshman in college basketball from the West Coast. Yeah, playing on two and playing out in Tempe. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's not something we've heard since uh, a, 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 cer- a, a certain bearded one, uh, you know, about <laughs> about 15, 13, 11 years ago, it feels like. So, yeah, it, it's 
it, it certainly it will be interesting to uh, to see how this whole West Coast situation shakes uh, shakes out. What's your what's your take on Gonzaga and where they stack up? Because we we had a we had an interesting text conversation a couple days ago where we, we talked about how Washington their series with Gonzaga is not a thing yeah. anymore this season, uh, and how you know it, it would be nice to see Oregon and Gonzaga play because those seem to be the two teams. Yeah, that they, are kind they of seem to be more of the same weight class. You know, it, it's. You know, yeah. it's funny the way it worked out. You know, Washington is upset at the Pac-12 in terms of the late call, in terms of basketball being postponed to the new year, and that left Washington in a tough bind with their scheduling conflicts. And one of the big ones is Gonzaga, and that's a game that they really, really want to have. And which is crazy for me to say, because like I remember when Washington did not want to have anything to do with Gonzaga for a long time. Now this is a yeah. game they desperately want to get on the schedule, and they can't. And Gonzaga. Who no longer needs Washington? <laughs> it's just like, no, nah, we're good. We don't need to play you. We'll yep. see you, you know, some other time. And it's just crazy to see those roles uh, flipped. In terms of where Gonzaga stands out west, I mean, you know, I, I to me, Gonzaga is the best program out west. But because yes. of, and I, I think right now they're in kind of a little bit of like this identity crisis because they're the best program out west. There's no denying that. Every time they they play about three or four Pac-12 teams every year, and they beat all of them every single year, at least the last three or four years. They've gone undefeated. So um, yep. I think the only <laughs> loss they had I can remember from a Pac-12 team was uh, T.J. F. McConnell, <laughs> um, which was like four or five years ago um, in a yeah. very close game. Uh, in was that Stanley uh, Johnson? Stanley Johnson might have been there. I don't remember for sure. But that was a really good game, That one of the better games of that season. That was in Arizona. That was in uh, Tempe. But um, yeah, it was Johnson or uh, Aaron Gordon. Yeah, but either way, like they, they, it was they're kind of in a little bit of identity crisis because they're not. Again, they're not. They they gotten Jalen Suggs, they gotten Zach Collins, they've gotten some big time recruits, but you know they haven't put together any kind of crazy recruiting class that's you know constellated you know two or three five star kind of guys. Now they've recruited very well, and what they've shown is Gonzaga. I think in terms of uh, player development, is the best in the country because they're getting four-star guys, three-star guys, those guys, again, are turning into NBA kind of players or at least all-American college basketball players. And and what Marquis is doing down there is exceptional. But in terms of the recruiting landscape, I just think because, you know, Nike certainly has invested a lot in Gonzaga more in recent years, but it's still not going to invest as much in Gonzaga as it does in uh, SC or uh, Oregon. Um, it's not going to invest as much as Adidas is investing in uh, UCLA. So it's so just whoever a, UCLA. I mean, well, yeah, the deal. right now UCLA is a free agent, which is just it's, it's, they're, they're <laughs> athletic. They're athletic. They're, and shout out to Mick Cronin because he did a great job. There's no shade to him. Their athletic department is a disaster. And what's the? It's like run, it's like the fact that they're getting any players right now. It's like the program is running itself. Like like they don't like it's crazy. It, what, what are their uniforms going to look like? I don't. We don't know. Can they just use they the old? The under they just, can they just, I mean, no, I was like, we get that free press. I mean, I, I would think, I would think that they probably have to take off the logo, and just. I mean, Under Armour's gonna be like, fine, y'all can wear the logo. We're just not gonna pay you for it. <laughs> you have to wear the jersey. That's, you that's true. Have, yeah, you would think that you just wear the jersey. We'll take the free advertising money. <laughs> advertising money. Yeah. Uh, it, I don't know what they're gonna do. It's a mess. It's uh, a mess. I haven't heard anything about Nike signing with them or, or what's it called? Under Armour basically said that that was just bad money. That we gave you guys all this money and you guys stink. Yeah, in both football it, it and is. basketball. It is bad money right now. So we're gonna take that back. Yeah, it is. Which I it, think they do, but they. But, they but you know, I tell you what though, I I do 
you know, I told you I, I was way higher on Nick Mick Cronin, Cronin higher than you were. I I, yeah. feel, I feel good about Cronin getting that school back to respectability. Yeah, um, it reminds me of the Coach O, the, the Coach O thing that that you had. It's a little he's a different personality, obviously, but you know, he, he the, the personality kind of reminds me of Chip Kelly. You know, that's that's the kind of, not Chip Kelly. Uh, I mean, to Frank, be honest, to be honest, you know, I, mean, Frank, I feel like we're or, I feel like we're Cronin. You know, it feels to me a lot like what happened with Ben Holland. Like it seems yeah. like when Ben Holland came, it was the same issues. They were soft, and they didn't play hard, and yeah. they had a lot of entitled guys on their roster. And Holland came in. First year was rough. He had to get rid of a bunch of guys. But you know what? He brought that Pittsburgh toughness to UCLA, and then UCLA became one of the toughest teams in the country. And they went to the Final Four. And Ben Holland did a phenomenal job. I know it didn't end well, but you know the guys have their runs. He had a really great run when he first got there. I think Cronin, it looks like he's on the same path. Came in, had a bunch of untitled, lazy guys, had to weed some guys out, find the guys that wanted to play. Yep. And by the time they got the conference play, they were just punching people in the face. And, yeah. and you know what? Like, in that in that conference, that's, that's all you need. Like, the Pac-12 is not the Big East. You don't have to no. be this, like, rough and tumble, biggest, toughest guy in the world to be a tough team in that conference. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Just, just be, just, just want it more, and you will be. <laughs> Big Cronin, you know, Big Cronin's probably thinking, man, if I had those dudes, I had a Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. Whatever the dude's name they, was. They, they look like the, they look like the, uh, the bad boy Pistons playing the back wall. <laughs> You know, if I had that crew, oh man, we would have went undefeated this yeah, conference. Yancey Nates and, and Lance Stevenson, I mean, come on. Yeah, and we would have won based on talent. We would have just scared the other team off the court. Yeah, man. You know, yeah. So, like, so, 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 Rubik Cronin, I feel like he, he's on the right path in terms of the kind of team he's building down there. And uh, shout out to Cronin. We got to talk to him a little bit. He's a really good guy. And I'm hopeful. Yeah, I'm hopeful, very good. Yeah, I'm hopeful that uh, things, things work out. Um, in the West, but the West is the West is just so fascinating because I feel like now it's been about I think you could really say now about twenty years where we keep asking, "Yo, what's up with the West? Like, why isn't there any real power in the Pac-12? You know, that's or multiple powers in the Pac-12 that we're talking about for national championship contention every year. It's been a long time, and again, we had the Holland run for that short period. And that's really the only team yeah, he's had. Yeah, in the Elite Eight every year. Yeah, he, he didn't get to the Final Four, so I'm not even including him. Sorry. Like, <laughs> he was he had great teams, but they didn't win anything of even – they didn't come close. So, yeah. like, like we're talking now for a long time. It may, it may be 20 years is harsh, but I think 10 years is not harsh. Like, of what's up with yeah. the West? Why is we looking at the Pac-12 and the highest seed in the tournament they're going to get is a four seed or a five seed? That's, that sounds yeah. ridiculous. But that's, well, man, one, that's, been, that's been normal. For the the one school we, we're leaving out, the one school we're leaving out, you know, before we close out is yeah. uh, the Stanford Cardinal. You know, Gerard Haas, you know, we mentioned, you know, a couple months ago, obviously they brought in Zaire Williams, which was a big get kid from Sierra Canyon. Um, but then they, they've brought in, they, they got a recent commit from Harrison Ingram, a five-star from uh, Texas, another wing. And, and they also got a point guard, Issa Silva, from California as well, coming in the four-star, high four-star kid. So, you know, Stanford, you know, maybe a sleeping giant, you know, in the, in the West Coast. We're not talking about them now, but depending on what they do with Zaire Williams this season, you know, we saw what they had, obviously, they, what they had with Tyrell Terry. They didn't really win a lot of games with Tyrell Terry, but it goes back to the point I made about 
uh, J.D. Davidson. Sometimes you have those point guards or those players that, you know, are one and done. You don't really win a lot of games with them, but, you know, Tyro Terry might be a lottery pick. Now, all of a sudden, that profile, the profile of the program is like, whoa, they've got some things going on there. I mean, Tyro Terry was there, and they're going to have Zaire Williams next year be a lottery pick. You know, I would look out for Stanford. And, you know, in these days of, of player empowerment and these guys, you know, being a little smarter about the choices they make, you know, guys are going to realize, you know, Stanford. I mean, you know, should, should I go to Stanford or, or Arizona? I mean, maybe I should go to Stanford. I'll tell you what, I know Mike Montgomery doesn't get enough credit for what he did at uh, Stanford in that window he was there. I mean, he turned them into a national power. Yeah, the Josh Hilders days. You know, like so that's, that's, what, that's what reminded me when you talked about that era. I was like, who else was good? I was like, well, Stanford was good, and they might Stanford be good was, now. Yeah, Stanford was really, really good for a while, yeah. and and it's crazy because they did not have a lot of basketball history before then, and there wasn't a lot of history after then. Um, and they had good coaches after Montgomery. Trent Johnson was a good coach. Johnny Dawkins, um, it was his first job, so maybe he had growing pains. But you know, we know he's a good coach, and and they just. It doesn't matter who's been there. They haven't quite been able to capture uh, that energy. But you would think, again, Northern California, plenty of hoopers there. Uh, it's Stanford, so getting Look kids what David Shaw has done there. in terms of cornering that market of like being the smart school in the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, you know Stanford a little bit of a sleeping giant for sure. Um, I think Stanford and Cal. I think both of them. Like, there's no reason to me that either one of those teams shouldn't be better. Um, great location, great campuses. Uh, obviously, there is the gap of the, the academic gap that you just have to fill. But, but Cal, that didn't stop Quanzo Morton from getting Jalen Brown. Didn't right, stop yeah, him. you can get, you can still get good players. Like, it's just, yeah. I, I you think, find a certain type of guy. Yeah, it's, and, and I think it just takes a, it takes a, a, a it just takes a, a, the right person in the job. It's not it's, the job isn't gonna just do itself, but the right person can make that can make either of those programs top programs. If, again, if you if you've seen an interview with Zaire Williams, you've seen an interview with Harrison Ingram, you know he, those guys are, are guys where you're like, yeah, I can see why that guy's going to Stanford, you know. Yeah. And that's something that is you know that that goes to the recruiting strategy, finding guys where you're like, this guy would want to play at Stanford, you know. Yeah. Not everybody wants to play at Stanford. Not everybody cares, but. Some guys we do care, and yeah, it, I think we're going to see more and more guys in the future care about that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's less about it's less about looking at that academic uh, hurdle as a crutch and actually using it to your strength. Because how yeah. many of these guys um, end up who, who who Stanford make a lot of sense for them in the going to schools that don't stimulate them in an academic. Or intellectual and Duke way. has used that to an advantage for years. Yeah, they've they've Duke, been the master I mean, of that. Every exactly. time a kid commits to Duke, they're like, "Yeah, I mean, I, I was told about you know the network. You know, when I'm exactly. out of school, you know, I'm gonna have a network for years to come." I mean, it's like, why yeah, isn't Stanford using? Yeah, I mean, maybe Stanford, Duke, Come on, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, but it's, the same, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's bigger. <laughs> I mean, yeah. In fact, really, before basketball, you would think that Duke is actually Stanford East. You know, like it's yeah. it's, it's it's it seems like a no brainer. But um, um, shout uh, shout out Johnny Dawkins, man, uh, big uh, big Spider Man fan. Yes, he is a big Spider Man fan, as we uh, as as we learned in our uh, conversation with him last year. But um, or this was it this year? No, it was last year. Uh, this pandemic oh, yeah, it has me. No, it was it was it was last year. It was around this time last year. In fact, yeah, it, it might be it, today. Literally, could be the anniversary when we're recording this. It was around this time. 
But uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> man, this has been a long it's really close. year. <laughs> it's been a long year, yo. It's crazy. Anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the Uncommitted episode six. I know we were a little bit late on this one, but with the NBA playoffs and um, NBA draft prep, it got pushed back just a little bit. But I think this was still a great show. So hope you guys enjoyed it. You can catch all of our podcasts. Uh, that obviously you can catch us on YouTube with this podcast, but all of our other podcasts you can check out on uh, the New Generation Podcast Network. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can catch our Sports Talk podcast, uh, Hero Talk, and our Star Wars podcast, The Imperial Broadcast. Also, catch us on social media. I'm on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and Instagram, Action EJ. You can catch Kendall on Twitter, uh, at New Gen Ken. And for uh, the, the channel, we are on Facebook, New Generation Media, on Twitter, New Generation Pod, and on Instagram, New Generation Podcast. That's going to do it for now. Thank you guys so much for checking this out. Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.